This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. Good morning again. Uh, let's turn in our Bibles to Third John, and I'll get there in just one second. As Ellen mentioned, last week we talked about uh, generosity, and I preached a little bit too long. It's kind of, you know, pastors do that sometimes. It's not your fault. I know sometimes preachers say, you know, I preached too long because you listened too good. No, it was just my fault. Um, I preached a little bit too long, so I didn't get a chance to talk to you a little bit about some of the generosity that we're involved in as a church family, and especially if you're new, maybe you don't knew, uh, know some of the areas that we give. And so I just wanted to mention some of the things that we do as a church family so that we can also be generous. Um, there's a few organizations that we give to every month. Um, there's a lot of great organizations out there doing a lot of great things. And so instead of us sort of recreating organization and all the different things that go on to accomplish things like that, we partner financially with organizations that are already doing great things uh, just so we can have a part of what they're doing. And the first one um, that you all know about is Eden Food for Change. Now, we have the, the crate out there in the lobby that we ask you to bring groceries to all of the time, and then we take all of those groceries to Eden Food for Change, which is the government supported food bank in our postal code. Um, and then also we give to them financially every month so that uh, we're able to bless people in Mississauga. The other thing that we give to is Samaritan's Purse. Samaritan's Purse is Franklin Graham's organization. You might be aware of them. They do the uh, Christmas boxes, shoe boxes every year. Uh, but something else that they're also involved with is international relief. Um, so many times when there is you know, a tsunami or an earthquake or something like that, that Samaritan's Purse is one of the first responders and then they show up in the name of Jesus uh, to be able to bring help to other people. So we support them every month. CAP, uh, which is Christians Against Poverty. That is an organization that helps people. Uh, they do basically debt counseling and they help people get out of debt. Um, they help people to save and then also to give according to the scripture. We support them every month. Now, something new that we... Um, Added last year, uh, we started supporting ARC Canada, which is Association of Related Churches. Now, they are a church planning organization, and their mission is to plant life-giving churches, and they plant across denominational lines. And so we started supporting them last year so that we could be a blessing as it relates to church planting in Canada. And then every year, you all know that we have Pastor Morrow preach sometime here in July. Their ministry, um, they do ministry throughout Europe and Italy, and then we support them uh, every month so that we can have a part of all that they're doing in Europe and Italy. Now, some other things that we do as a church family, uh, anytime we hear about maybe somebody in the church who is struggling um, financially, that we are able to bless them with grocery gift cards. Now, that's not, that's not something we announce or advertise or necessarily because we're not trying to make anybody feel bad, um, but it is something that we do so that we can be a blessing to our brothers and sisters. And then also, um, when people tell us. Sometimes people go into the hospital um, and then they don't tell us at all. But when we find out when someone is in the hospital, somebody's phone is just killing the game this morning. <laughs> Let's all just check our phones right now, shall we? Um, when we when we hear that somebody goes into the hospital, what we like to do is to give them a meal card so that when they come out of the hospital, they don't necessarily have to plan a meal that we um, are able to bless them. So uh, if they've, you know, 
they're struggling maybe to cook or something, and then so we bless them with a meal card. Knit and Crochet City Group. Uh, they gather together uh, every month, and these ladies, they knit a bunch of awesome items. They knit scarves and hats and, and different things for babies and women. And all of those items that they knit every year, they go to Halton Women's Place, which is a shelter for women. So all of the items that are knit in our city group, knit and crochet city group go to that women's shelter and then also there's many people in the church who um, support uh, children through world vision canada i know uh, my family and i we support a child through world vision canada and it's just a great experience we get to see um, how the girl that we support is developing and, and just to be a blessing in her life is fantastic now there are many families in the church um, that do that specifically in Albay, Philippines. Uh, we did a push for that a couple years ago to be a blessing. And so that's something else that happens within the context of our church. And then another thing that we love to do is to be a blessing to other churches. So many times we will, sometimes we will host churches, um, maybe leadership, different people, different staff members during the week, and we will talk them through some of our processes. But then also we like to host events um, for other churches. We actually have two events planned this year. Uh, to be a blessing to church leadership. We have one in March, then we also have one in May. And then when all of those church leaders gather here, we just like to bless them with a meal and different things when they, when they are here so that we can be generous as a church family. So I just wanted to let you know all of those areas that you are being generous, maybe that you didn't even know about. That is awesome for us as a church family. So thank you again for your generosity. All right, so we are in week four of our series that we have called Soul Surrender. And as we've said every week, you know, these, this idea of surrender or submitting or yielding aren't necessarily popular ideas in the culture that we live in. That generally people, you know, are very enamored with their own thoughts and with their own principles and their ideas and they don't want to necessarily give in to somebody else. It is great to have thoughts and principles and ideas, but we don't want to take that sort of same attitude and bring it into our relationship with God, that we should be surrendering to God, yielding to God um, in every area of life, not just have a percentage of our life that we give to God, um, but, but the totality of our lives that we would surrender to God, and then we would find and discover the way God wants us to live. So that's what we're talking about in this series. Uh, you know, we can say just a general thing, surrender your life to God, but we're looking at very specific areas from the scripture that God is asking us to surrender to him and then finding out those ways that we can apply that surrender practically in our lives. So let's read here in 3 John um, chapter 1. There's only one chapter. Verse 2 says, Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you and that, it, and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. So the starting place, as John would see it, praying for this church here, that he wants them to be healthy and he wants things to go well in their lives. But at the starting place of it is going to be their soul. Now that definition of that word soul means the seat of our feelings, desires, and affections. The center of us, who we are as individuals. And then we see here what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, Jesus is saying, you will find it. That same word that's translated in 3 John as soul is the same word here, the same Greek word that Jesus is saying life, that we would give up our life, our soul. It's the same Greek word. So the principle is Jesus is saying if we hold on to the seed of affection and desires of our life, we're actually going to lose it. We're, we're going to cling on to it so hard and it'll just be me and it'll just what I think. 
But Jesus is saying if we surrender it to God, we will discover from the giver of life how to live life. He has designed life. He has given us life. And so he wants us to surrender all of our lives to him so that we can discover life the way it was intended to be lived. So we've been looking at a couple of different things in this series. The first week we talked about surrendering to the voice of God or surrendering to wisdom. Second week we talked about worship. And as we mentioned last week, we talked about generosity. So if you missed any of those messages, they're available online or through our podcast. So today we're going to talk about something as it relates to the kingdom of God. Now, when Jesus came to the earth, he had great emphasis on this idea of the kingdom of God. He would talk about that he'd be preaching the gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom is the place, uh, the kingdom of God is the place of God's rule. And Jesus had us pray in what we call the Lord's Prayer, that his kingdom would come, that his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, that there's no hindrance to the will of God being accomplished in the kingdom of God or where God dwells in heaven, what we would call it. But then God is, Jesus is telling us to pray that we would have the kingdom of God here on the earth. That we would have a place of God's rule on the earth right now. And so God wants us to experience the kingdom, but then he also wants us to be bringers of the kingdom of God. That the kingdom of God goes with us Everywhere we go. Let's read about it here in Luke chapter 17, verse 20. It says, one day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? Jesus replied, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there. For the kingdom of God is already among you. Or one translation says, it's already within you. Pharisees were saying, well, when is the kingdom of God going to come? Where are going to be the borders of the kingdom of God? And there's going to be a palace and there's going to be a king there and we're going to have our own flag. And Jesus is saying, you you won't actually be able to see it and say it's over there or it's over there. It's actually already among you or it's within you. In other words, our hearts that we would be surrendering our lives to the kingdom of God, to the place of God's rule. And so what does that look like? What does that mean for us in practical terms? Now, as those of us that follow Jesus, one of the things that we would know uh, from the scripture that we're being conformed into the image of Christ, that we have a moment of salvation where God saves us and we experience that our eternity is changed forever. But then we are on the sanctifying process. It just means set apart for the rest of our lives as we become more and more like Christ. And what does it look like to become like Christ? Now, when we look at the life and ministry of Jesus, we know that God sent Jesus because of love. And love is a a multifaceted thing, not just a many splendored thing. That love is a multifaceted thing. And the love of God showed up many different ways in the life and ministry of Jesus. One of the ways that we see uh, that Jesus was always contending with the religious people, always getting in arguments with the religious people. We're not so much going to focus on that today. But another thing that we see that Jesus is very famous for, that anywhere that he went where somebody was broken or somebody was sick or somebody was having a difficult life situation, that Jesus would step into the middle of those situations and bring God's healing power. And the same idea for us, uh, we are living in the kingdom of God today under the place of God's rule. Where, Where is it? Where are the borders? Well, it's the borders of your heart. 
In the same way that we see Jesus bringing the kingdom of God everywhere he went, that is what God is wanting for us in 2018. See, if we limit our Christian experience to, you know, singing a few songs and listening to a sermon on Sunday morning, we'll miss out on what God is actually wanting to do, not just in us, but he's wanting to do something through us. That Jesus said the kingdom of God is in the midst of you or it's within you. So that we bring the kingdom of God with us wherever we go. And see, Jesus also lived like this. This was a hallmark of Jesus' ministry. And we can see uh, some of these ideas in the Gospel of John. Uh, John chapter 5, it says this. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, that the Son does likewise. John 8, verse 28, it says, So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and that I do nothing, Jesus says, on my own authority, but speak just as the Father has taught me. And He who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to Him. John 12. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment. What to say and what to speak, and I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. So we see here in these few verses that Jesus is telling us that he, in his life and ministry, submitted to or surrendered to the heart and the will of the Father God, that he didn't say anything or do anything unless God had showed him ahead of time to do it. So if Jesus needed to surrender to God, how much more do we need to surrender to the will of God? And not only that, we can actually see the results of somebody in the life and ministry of Jesus who is fully surrendered to God and how the, the impact, the great impact Jesus made. And then the last thing we see in those verses in John 12, it says that God sent Jesus. And the same is true for you. That God sent you to the earth in this time, in this place, because he wants to do something through you relating to the kingdom of God. That you weren't sent here by accident. You were born in the right time in the right place. And God has you in contact with certain people at a certain job, at a certain school, in a certain neighborhood. And he wants to do things through you as it relates to the kingdom of God. And this is what we see in the life of Jesus. I, I say the things that God tells me to say. And I do the things that I realize Jesus is saying that God has sent me, but God has sent you as well. See, once again, if we minimize our Christian experience to sitting in a row and, he and hearing a message and I like certain messages and I don't like other messages and I like certain worship songs and I don't like other worship songs, man, we miss out on what it actually means to follow Jesus on a daily basis. That the impact of Jesus' life, obviously, we could argue, the most famous person ever, but also fully surrendered to God. That the kingdom of God showed up in the life and ministry of Jesus. Same thing for you. God has sent you. And God wants to show up in great and amazing ways in your life in 2018.
Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says this. Have this mind among yourself, which is yours in Christ Jesus. In other words, think this way. Paul is writing to the Philippian church and he says, you know, have this mind. In other words, this is how Jesus thought. So we also should think like this, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as thing to be grasped, as a thing to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. He humbled himself. And became a servant. That he saw himself as a servant. A servant to who? To whom was Jesus? Like what was he doing? When we we look at the life and ministry of Jesus. Who was Jesus serving? He was in the middle of people's broken situations on a constant basis. And the same will be true for us as we follow Jesus. There are going to be contexts that we find ourselves in. Where there's going to be a broken person, somebody struggling with something, somebody going through a difficult time. And you're either going to see them or you're going to know them. And in that moment, God is actually wanting to do something through you. God is wanting to bring the kingdom of God through your life to that person. See, a lot of times, though, what happens to us is that we, we see a situation or we know a situation and we kind of like, I'm, I'm not sure what I can do. I'm not sure I know enough scriptures. I'm not sure I've been in church long enough. I'm not sure I qualify because I've, I've messed up in so many different ways. It's a, it's a conversation that we see actually in the scripture. In Exodus chapter 3, we see here it in the call of Moses. God has some very specific instructions for Moses. And he says this, the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry. Now, this is partly this is tears, but also this is a prayer that somebody who is in a difficult time is crying out to God, praying to God because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, God is saying. As he's speaking to Moses and he says, I have come down to deliver them. That's good news, right? I mean, you know, Moses is having this great experience with God and God is showing up and God says to Moses, I have come down to deliver them. Moses is like, yes, we're going to see some amazing things out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of the land to the good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey. Verse 10, come. I will send you. Okay, wait a minute, God. You just lost me now. You said you came down to do something. And I was all for that. Amazing. You're God. I'm not. You're the one with all of the power. You're the, the creator, God. And you came down to do something. Don't send me. You go do it, God. No, this is what we see over and over again in the scripture. That God comes down, but then he sends a person into a situation. God sent Jesus. God sends you. And then how does the conversation go generally for us? Whether we say it out loud or we think it on the inside of us. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? In other words... 
you got the wrong person, God. See, Moses didn't know he was Moses yet, did he? See, we know Moses, and we think Moses is a big deal, but Moses didn't think he was a big deal. He's just having this great experience. God is telling him some stuff, and like, great, awesome. You're going to do something fantastic. Okay, I'm going to send you Moses. And Moses is like, no, no, no. Who am I, God? See, and this is our answer many times. Like, uh, who am I? I? I've made so many mistakes in my life. I don't qualify, God, for you to use me. I don't know enough scripture. I haven't been in church long enough. And there's just a, a litany of reasons that we can give, excuses that we can give. Whether it's serving here at church or, or doing something somewhere else. So many times we get in these situations and these contexts and we maybe see something or we maybe sense something that we should be doing. And whether we verbalize it or just internally, we kind of just think, uh, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children out of the children of Israel out of Egypt? But God says in verse 12, he said, I will be with you. See, and this is the key for us. These situations that we observe, these situations that we see on the job, at school, in our neighborhoods, where maybe we can actually insert something, that we could actually maybe love somebody in this moment, but we, we disqualify ourselves. we like, who am I? See, the truth is, if we step out in faith in the middle of those situations, we remember, or we should remember, that God was with Moses and God will be with me in those moments. And we might think, well, what am I supposed to say or what am I supposed to do? I don't necessarily know, but I know that God will be with you. And if we step out in those moments and we step out just on the idea of love, like Jesus did. This person's struggling with this. This person's sick. This person's just gone through a tragedy. But, but who am I to help? Well, none of us are really anybody. But the point is that God is with us. And that makes us somebody that God can use to bring his kingdom, his love, his mercy, his power into the middle of that situation. I have come down, God said to Moses. I've heard their cries. I've heard their prayers. See, it's an amazing experience in life when, when God answers one of your prayers and you see something show up in your life or desire of your heart. But you know what's better than that? Is being the answer to someone else's prayer. That God, that someone is reaching out to God, that they're in a moment of desperation, that they're a moment in difficult, of difficulty, and then God chooses you to step into the middle of their mess to help them. Because that's what life is. Life is messy. People are messy. The world we live in is messy. Everything is not antiseptic. Everything is not perfect. And people have messy lives. But when we think about the life and ministry of Jesus, he stepped in the middle of those situations. And if we step into the middle of those situations just with a heart of love, God can use us in ways that we could never imagine. 
You know, my wife is, is famous for this. Uh, you know, any house that we live in, like she'll be outside doing yard work because I don't love it. And she does more of it than I do. But what ends up happening is she's out there and she ends up meeting some of our neighbors. And then she's out there for a while and she, you know, she's staying there talking. And it'll be like half hour, 45 minutes. And she'll come back in the house and she'll be like, man, my neighbor, our neighbor just told me their whole life story. They've gone through this and on this situation and this divorce and this other thing. Now, why is that? Because Nicole is just there and she's just loving that person. And in that moment, not, Nicole's not necessarily quoting scriptures to them. But she's being the scripture to them. They're like, well, I don't, I don't know enough scriptures about the love of God or the mercy of God. Don't worry about it. You don't have to. Just be them. Be the love of God. Allow the truth in the scripture to come out in your life. God is with you. He will give you the words to say. And then sometimes you don't actually need a bunch of words to say. You just need to be there for people. They're going through with this or that and the other. And sometimes they don't necessarily need someone preaching a sermon to them. They just need someone being there. They don't need necessarily somebody judging them or telling them how they did so many things wrong. And man, I wouldn't have done that thing if I were you. <laughs> that doesn't help. That we can be there and we can love somebody. and We can bring the mercy of God just like God brought his mercy to us. Moses says, who am I? God says, I'll be with you. See, and this is God wants us operating in his kingdom. He wants us submitting to the kingdom ways. So that we can bring his life, we can bring his power, we can bring his love to others. Matthew chapter 9 verse 35 says this. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, just people aimless, no direction. All of these difficult things going on in their lives. What did Jesus do when he saw this crowd? He had compassion on them. Man, there's a lot of terrible things going on in the world. Do you ever watch the news? There's a lot of stuff going on and we hear a story or we hear a thing and it just, man, hits your heart. Jesus is looking at a group of people and what, is he angry with them? No, what, what's, what's going on in the inside of him? He's having compassion. And this is something that I would... Say for all of us who are Christ followers, we need to cultivate compassion in our hearts. See, Jesus is there with his disciples. They don't actually see. Jesus is the one that saw. Jesus is looking out with a heart of compassion. And then what happens? Verse 37, he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. See, there's few people that are just okay stepping in the middle of someone else's mess. Why? Because it's difficult. It's hard. It takes time. People always don't do the things that you suggest to them to do. Is anybody out there? You're like, hey, I've got a suggestion to get you out of this mess. And then they don't listen and they get in more trouble. It's messy. It's hard. It's difficult. It's humanity. 
But Jesus steps in the middle of our humanity. Stepped into time in a very specific place. And when he did, he stepped into a bunch of messes that were going on in Israel. Just people who had a bunch of difficult life situations. And here is one of them. Jesus is saying, man, the harvest is great. What is the harvest? Is the harvest people that are perfect? Is the harvest people that, you know, don't have any problems, don't have any marriage problems, or don't have any physical problems, or don't have any mental problems or financial problems, like everybody's got it going on perfect? No, the the harvest is people that are struggling with life, people that we come in contact with every day. The harvest is great, but the workers, the workers in the kingdom of God are few. See, there's work to be done in the kingdom of God. It isn't just waiting till we get to heaven. God wants to put us to work in his kingdom. He wants us to be like him. He came and he served broken humanity. Same thing for us. So he tells his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So Jesus had his disciples pray for workers to go out into the harvest. That means that they also prayed for you. They didn't just pray for people in this time, in this moment, but there are workers needed in every generation. People who are willing to step into the middle of other people's situations. People who will surrender their lives to God. As to say, God, what do you want me to do? How is it that I can help broken and hurting humanity? And then the very next chapter, Jesus didn't say, okay, just pray and that's enough. The very next chapter, Jesus sends his disciples out. So they would go and do ministry. Go and help people. See, we don't just get to pray for the harvest. God wants us to be involved in the harvest. God wants us to be involved. He's sending us out just like he sent Jesus. He's sending us as representatives of his kingdom. Representatives carrying his power, carrying his love, carriers of his mercy. So that we can do kingdom business, kingdom work. Second Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 3, message paraphrase, says this. All praise to God and Father of our Master Jesus, the Messiah. Father of all mercy. God of all healing counsel. Listen. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. Can anybody say that is true? That we sense God's strength and His presence when we're going through hard times. Now listen. And before you know it, He brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. We have plenty of hard times that come from following the Messiah, but no more so than the good times of his healing comfort. We get a full measure of that too. I love that thought. See, God is helping us through our situations and then before you know it, God is going to have someone else show up in your life because he wants you to come alongside them. Because God just helped you through a situation. 
you've gone through a difficult situation, you've lost a loved one, and all of a sudden you hear about someone else that lost a loved one, what can you do? You can come alongside that person because you just went through a similar situation. Gone through a broken relationship. God brought you through. Then you hear about somebody else that's going through a broken relationship. What do you do? Well, like, um, you know, these people that have broken relationships, I don't know. And just sort of back away from the situation. No, God wants us to step in to those situations and come alongside somebody else. Moms, you can help other moms. Dads, you can help other dads. Business people, you can help other business people. And the list goes on and on. God has an assignment for us. He's sending us out. Yes, he wants us to worship. Yes, he wants us to be encouraged by sermons. But then he's sending us out into the harvest field of people. You'll meet and know and reach people that I won't and vice versa. God had us, has us all in these different places, different contexts, different circumstances, so that we can bring his love and his mercy. Last verse, Matthew 8, verse 1. Jesus came down from the mountainside. What was Jesus doing on the mountainside? Well, he was praying, spending time with God. Wouldn't that be an amazing moment to watch? Jesus in his prayer life. What a moment. What an exciting thing to see. And then all of a sudden, it says, large crowds followed him. Jesus is spending time with God. And then he's got this big crowd. The Gospels say sometimes people followed him for the wrong reasons, but there would always be these big crowds following Jesus. Jesus spending time with God. A big crowd thinking Jesus is a big deal, which he is. But then what's the next thing? It says, a man came and knelt before him. Jesus spending time with God. A huge multitude, but he always had time for one. Jesus always had time for one. Spending time with God. Big crowds following him, wanting to to hear his sermons, wanting him to hear his ministry and see what he would do and all the miracles that he could accomplish. But then in the middle of all of that, Jesus had time for just one person who was hurting, one person who was struggling. A man came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed from his leprosy. See, God wants us to touch broken humanity. He doesn't want us to run away from situations. See, the situations we see and the situations we know about God is showing us those situations so that we can get involved. Not be, you know, not caring. No, Jesus looked out of the multitudes and what? He, he had compassion. See, what I love about this idea too is like, it's, it's, it's all of us. It's not just me. It's not just the worship team. It's all of us getting involved in kingdom business. It's all of us surrendering our lives to God so that we can do the things that Jesus has for us to do. What a privilege it is to be part of the church. What a privilege it is to say, I follow Jesus so that we can bring kingdom power, kingdom love, 
kingdom mercy to all the places that we touch and all of the people that we touch. Let's just pray this morning. God, we thank you for your love today. We thank you, Lord, that you care about all of the people that we come in contact with. All the situations and all of the circumstances. And God, I I pray for all of us in this room that you make us laborers in your harvest field. That you are bringing situations and circumstances across our path so that we can make a difference in someone else's life. God, in this moment, it might make us a little bit afraid. It might make us a little bit unsure. But we know that you will be with us when we step out in love. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.